Welcome to the San Antonio Baptist Association. You're listening to a Sabbath Talks podcast. Hello and welcome to this edition of Sabbath Talks. I'm Daryl Horn, the Executive Director of the San Antonio Baptist Association. We have a great topic lined up for you in this series of podcasts. This is podcast number four of a series of seven. Podcast number one, we talked about the introduction to the Leadership Compass. Podcast number two, we looked at the Common Purpose. Podcast number three, we looked at Clear Roles. This is podcast number four on Accepted Leadership. I'd like to encourage you, if you have not listened to the first three podcasts, please take the time to go back and do that. It will set up our discussion on accepted leadership. The tool we're looking at is the Leadership Compass. It's a tremendous tool that you can use in your personal life and especially in any ministry role or context that you find yourself serving in. Joining me is a friend of mine who introduced me to this tool. His name is Bill Hulse. He's the pastor of Putnam City Baptist Church just outside of Oklahoma City. Bill's been using this leadership compass for over a decade and has done a a very effective job in the ministries in which he has led. He has also trained his leaders in all of his churches where he's been to effectively use it. So once again, Bill, we want to thank you for taking the time to be with us on Sabbath Talks. It's a pleasure to have have you lead us in a conversation on the Leadership Compass. Thank you. Thanks for letting me be a part of the discussion. So let's let's jump into accepted leadership, the structure of cooperation. So if if you would get us started talking on this component. Well, this has been a super valuable part of our health diagnostic within our team structure. Notice again, it is about the structure of the team and everything rises and falls on leadership. But just because we have roles of leadership doesn't mean that we're leading well and doesn't mean that we're getting fellowship. Uh, I've served on some dynamic ministry teams throughout my 30 years of ministry. I've also served on some underperforming teams. We can see that in sports all the time. Just because you have a bunch of talented players uh, doesn't mean that you're going to have a Super Bowl or uh, NBA championship. Uh, those roles have to come together. They have to understand their roles. They have to work together, but they also have to lead well. And and especially within a spiritual environment, a spiritual team, uh, this is critical. Just because you have a role of leadership doesn't mean people are going to follow you. And I've seen too many leaders fall into that trap and say, well, you need to follow me. I'm the pastor. You need to follow me. I'm the youth pastor. A worship pastor, just because they've got that role, if they have not connected with the flock, if their leadership's not accepted, it doesn't matter how talented they are with a voice or an instrument, no fellowship means you're not a leader. A leader is only as strong as they're following. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so, talk with us a, a little bit about there. there is positional leadership. Yes. To talk about talk about you you just hinted on it ex, uh, accepted leadership in the sense of people willingly follow you because you've earned the respect you've earned the trust 
you know, uh, Stephen Covey's son, I forget his first name, has a book on um, at, at the speed of trust. Mm. Uh, and talk to us a little bit about the importance of trust. You might have the positional leadership, but you don't have the other leadership uh, components of people following you because they want to or because they trust you. Oh, man, that's that's right. As a matter of fact, that's one of the components. When we take these six pieces of leadership compass, whenever they flag that we're unhealthy, there are diagnostics that are available to the leader to say, okay, how do I bring health? And one of those areas we talk about is a trust account. Um, sometimes I sit down with, with a leader who's struggling in their ministry context, and through diagnosis, it's, it's a break of trust uh, with the followers in their ministry context. And we have to go back and, and look at where did you lose that trust? Uh, what decision did you make or what decision did you not follow up on that broke trust and, and do some diagnosis there so they can rebuild that trust account, just like a checking account. Just because I've made 12 deposits doesn't mean as a leader I get to make 12 withdrawals. One withdrawal can bankrupt the whole account. Uh, King David was a man after God's own heart. King David was, uh, for the majority of his resume, a godly leader. There was that season in his life when kings were supposed to be at battle that he decided to stay home, play it safe, be comfortable. Instead of fulfilling his God calling, his purpose, he took took a battle off and stayed home, and he got himself in trouble. That act of immorality, that act of abuse of his role, having Uriah killed to cover his tracks, that that bankrupted him in that moment of his leadership equity. And so we're all one decision away, one move away from violating the awesome calling God has placed on us to be kingdom leaders. We have to be accepted leaders, and that comes with with trust. So this part of the tool has been very helpful for me to have tough conversations in times gone by. Before, without the compass, if I had an underperforming staff member or if we had a volunteer, maybe it's a Sunday school teacher, and the class is failing and falling apart because they don't respect the teacher or the teacher isn't, isn't doing his job and the class is crumbling. Well, now I've got to step in, and now it becomes personal, and it's always ugly, and it's me versus them. It becomes automatic conflict. With the compass, the compass is the intermediator. Uh, I break out the compass, and and I say to that person, I'll just use a staff example, Um, hey, we've got a challenge. It's obvious uh, that we have a challenge in your ministry area. Would you agree? They agree. Yeah, we got a problem. It's obvious that I've got some people that aren't happy with me. And I bring them around to accepted leadership. What is it that is causing them not to accept your leadership? If we can fix it, we diagnose and we prescribe medicine and we start to bring healing. But there have been a couple situations where that particular staff member wasn't willing to do what they needed to do to be the shepherd that would, would, would gain that following, and we were able to, to try to help them, try to get to resolution, but it finally came to a point where we said, a leader is only as strong as they're following. You've lost your followership, and so we're going to help you find your next ministry context but it led us to an exit strategy. Hopefully it never gets there, but 
this is the front load to helping a person get back on track to be the accepted leader they're called to be, if possible. So talk with us. You know, sometimes it does happen to where the the church or the organization needs to make a change. Talk with us a little bit about exit strategy. Um, you were able to diagnose at, at times based upon this component of accepted leadership what would an exit strategy look like? Well, I've, you know, there's a lot of different leadership philosophies here. There are uh, a lot of leaders that are better leaders than I am at times and are maybe a lot stronger in this area than maybe I am. Uh, I try to look at not what I see out in the marketplace, but what I see in Scripture. Um, I've seen guys who are ruthless, man. If you're not doing your job, you're put on the street, uh, and all in the name of God that we want to be excellent in our ministries, but I'm a little bit more redemptive. I try to be, try to be more grace-oriented with accountability. I think Jesus models that. So in our context, the Compass helps me try to coach and lead leaders to be more successful. So I do everything I can to come alongside of them to address where they're sick in their leadership, where they've lost followership. And if they're coachable and they're teachable, we'll go the extra mile, just as Jesus did with his team. I'm going to come back to an example in a minute of a Jesus context. Um, but then if they're not willing to heal the fellowship and do what they need to do to restore that trust or that fellowship, then after a series of personal uh, accountability, documented accountability, we will finally say we've done everything we can as an organization to help you. Uh, we've not been able to get that fellowship back, and so it's time for exit. And then we negotiate within that context. Uh, some will are honorable enough to, to get a three- to six-month time to try to find another ministry assignment. Sometimes we just have to come to an agreement. Uh, it's so toxic, and that person has gotten so out of bounds that we have to do a severance or a dismissal. So it depends on the context. But let's go back real quick and give a Jesus example. This is something that always weighs on my mind when I'm dealing with a difficult staff member or a difficulty in a staff member's leadership. Um, I look at the difference between Peter and Judas. If you look at Peter, a lot of times you would think, you know what, I need to fire this guy. He's obstinate. He is critical. He rebukes me. I'm his boss, and he's rebuking me and telling me I don't know what I'm talking about, and I have to say, get behind me, Satan, because he's so aligned with Satan's agenda rather than my agenda. Uh, boy, that's real ministry context stuff. We can have guys on our team, gals on our team in opposition or struggling or perceived rebelling against our authority, all kinds of issues. And I don't watch Jesus kicking Peter out of the boat. Uh, I watch Jesus speak truth into Peter's life. I watch Jesus uh, confront his disruptive behavior. I find Jesus being proactive with Peter. Peter, I'm praying for you. Peter, you're going the wrong direction. That's Satan's direction. Get behind me. That's You're, you're, you're going the wrong direction. He's correcting Peter. He's loving Peter. But he's holding Peter accountable. You look at Judas, and Judas stayed on the team three and a half years. Jesus was extremely patient with Judas. 
Um, now, we can get into theological arguments and the design of God for Judas, blah, blah, blah. But still, I watch Jesus lead him as a part of his team. And most would have never let Judas go. Judas looked like the company man. He was in charge of the money. He looked like he was fully in alignment with Jesus, you know. Uh, but what we don't know is where his heart was. And Jesus finally, after three and a half years, had to say to Judas, what you need to go do, you're clearly not going to row in the boat the direction we're going. You have a total different direction and purpose for your life. Um, what you got to do, you go do it. And he had to let Judas go. But that wasn't year one, day one. That was three and a half years of doing life with Judas. And so I try to come alongside like Jesus does. I try to bring accountability. I don't try to lower the bar of expectation. I try to deal with their clear roles. I try to deal with the reality of their accepted leadership. And then the rest is up to that person. Are they willing to come in alignment with their role? Are they willing to do what it takes to earn that fellowship back? And, you know, hopefully we can be redemptive. But there are some times that some people just have to be cut loose. But I don't want to do it too early. I don't want to do it too late. And, and you know, that that is part of the burden of leadership is having to walk through that, having to uh, do exactly what you described, try to be redemptive, try to bring restoration. But sometimes it, it just doesn't uh, go as well as we had hoped it would be. But that's a part of accepted leadership or the burden of leadership is to be a servant leader and try to serve as best you can for the benefit of the other person and really the benefit of the whole team and the whole church. Um, so let me let me jump in real quick. I know sure. you got a question, but just for our audience, I always like, again, anchoring in Scripture, anchoring in Scripture. Uh, Paul and Barnabas had this challenge. You remember John Mark was a part of their team. John Mark was very disappointing, underperformed on the first mission trip. Uh, you got two different responses to John Mark, two different leaders' responses when it came to the second mission trip. Paul, that type A personality, that task-driven dude, on assignment, man, I'm going to get the job done and do it well. Uh, Want to know, you know, had very little leniency for John Mark. I'm glad that Barnabas was willing to stick by John Mark and not give up on him. And we see John Mark being, my understanding is, he was the first of the four gospel writers. God entrusted him to write the first of the four gospels. You look at Peter. When all of us would have fired Peter early uh, as he was a part of our team, I would have wanted to fire him day one, week one probably. Uh, Jesus stayed with him and allowed him to preach the very first sermon at Pentecost. So there's value in discernment. There's value in holy accountability uh, and perseverance with people. But there are examples where people do have to move on and don't make it with a team as well. What should be our takeaway from this piece of the leadership compass? Well, I think, number one, my, my experience in my own personal life and a lot of leaders' lives is we have a tendency to ignore people's leadership and accepted leadership. We know there's a problem. We see that they're struggling. But instead of being honorable in our leadership to them and stepping in and addressing it, we just pray it gets better. We hope it gets better. Nothing. A car never comes back into alignment on its own. It needs a mechanic. It needs help. Uh, people 
leaders need help to be what they need to be. And my my calling as a shepherd of leaders is to help equip those leaders to be the best leaders they can be. And if I'm not stepping into that when they're struggling, I'm failing them. So uh, one is it comes back to my own personal accountability as a leader. Am I helping my other leaders be the accepted leaders they need to be in their context? And number two, am I also making sure that they are being accountable in their leadership and equipping them the best I can to be the best leaders God's called them to be? Well, we're going to wrap up this podcast here. Uh, Number one, our first podcast was our introduction. Number two was our common purpose. Podcast number three was clear roles. And this is podcast number four on accepted leadership. Bill, thank you once again for joining us and leading us in a discussion. And those of you who are listening, I want to encourage you to catch us on the other side with podcast number five, which is Effective Processes, the Method of Cooperation. We will catch you on the other side. If you need a copy of the Leadership Compass, go to the San Antonio Baptist Association webpage, which is sanantoniobaptist.org. Thank you for listening, and we will talk with you in podcast number five. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Sabbath Talks podcast. We look forward to continuing our conversation next time in hopes of better connecting, encouraging, and supporting churches for King.